0: I just want um, those around these mothers, if you can just lay hands on them, I want us all just to get around a mother, if you're not touching one, please stand and go find yourself a mother, Um, just go find a mother, and just put your hands on them, Um, and I want us just to pray a blessing, just where you are, I'll lead us in that, and then you can continue Father, we thank you for these mothers. And I pray, Father, that you will bless them in Jesus' name. Just pray over them where you are. Just pray for them in your own words. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being a mother. You are special. Um, what a privilege it is to be a mother. Uh, this morning, I want to I want to speak about the marriage covenant. It's kind of um, one of those central things to society, to family, to life. It's marriage, and God's purpose and intent for marriage. And this morning, I want to focus on a central aspect of marriage, is this concept of a covenant of marriage. Marriage is not just a contract. It's not just a relationship. It is a covenant. As Christians, uh, we, we stand in a covenant relationship with God through Jesus Christ. We ourselves, as individuals, are in a covenant with God. And it is the most powerful, life-giving, and fulfilling relationship that we can have as humans. Being in a covenant relationship with God. You know, creation declares the existence of God, but the Word of God tells us who He is, what is His character, and what is His will. It gives us understanding and knowledge of Him. And in the Word of God, we are introduced to this concept of covenant as a way God deals with us as humans. God deals with us as human through covenant. It's such a powerful and central aspect of of the Word of God and of the gospel. As a matter of fact, the Bible can be divided into two covenants. The old covenant and the new covenant. But there are many covenants within the Bible as part of the narrative of who God is and his relationship with humanity. The first covenant we see is at creation, and then with Noah, Abraham, Moses, Israel, David, and ultimately through Jesus Christ, we stand in a covenant with God. Today we stand in this covenant with God through Jesus, and through partaking in communion, we are reminded of this covenant in which we stand. So what is a covenant? And and so very briefly, um, a covenant is not a contract. A covenant is a relationship. A deep, enduring relationship. A contract has an agreement and a penalty if broken. And the main purpose of a contract is the agreement around the detail. What is given and what is received. A contract normally has a limited lifespan and have an exit clause. And when the agreement is met or one of the parties wish to exit or end the contract, they can leave in accordance to the exit clause. Part of the agreement in a contract is an exit clause. Once you've done what you've agreed or once the purpose is fulfilled, the contract comes to an end. But a covenant, is far more than a contract a covenant adds to the agreement a focus on a deep relationship and it has no exit clause the focus is a lifelong relationship and commitment that is the focus of a covenant it carries with it a blessing if kept and a curse if broken And throughout the Old Testament, the terms of this covenant is clearly communicated before God. And and so often we read as God speaks to Israel. And in summary, he says, I put before your life and death choose life. If you follow me, I will bless you. If you disobey me, I will curse you. It's a covenant. I'm committed to you forever. But this is the term. Even in the new covenant, as we stand today as Christians, the terms is clearly communicated. If you follow me, eternal life in heaven. If you turn from me, death in hell. Clearly communicated. But I'm committed to this relationship. God did not sign a contract with humanity. And I am so thankful... That I'm not in a contract with God. I am so thankful. I have broken the detail of this agreement so many times. If it was a contract. It would have been over a long time ago. But because God is committed. To a lifelong relationship with me. He made a covenant. He made a covenant. And every time I repent, humbling myself and say, I'm sorry, God forgives. God says, I have compensated and I have paid for your mistake. Let us continue with this relationship, this covenant. That is why we are so thankful. That we're not in a contract with God, but with a covenant. But why is marriage a covenant? And why is marriage sacred before God? Because it is meant to reflect that relationship that he has with us. That's why it is sacred. And that's why we enter into marriage also through a covenant because it's meant to reflect that relationship, that covenant that he has with us. And then over and above that, it is meant to reflect a greater mystery and purpose. The purpose of mankind. And I want us to go back to the beginning in in Genesis from chapter 1 verse 27. We read of this purpose of God. That God created the entire universe and after he's created everything God decided to create man and we read here and so God created man in his own image he created them male and female God created them very powerfully and then God blessed them and said to them be fruitful and multiply fill the earth and do it have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air. And over every living thing that moves on the earth. And so we see so very powerfully. That in the beginning. God created a man. In the image and likeness of God. He created them. He created them male and female. Distinctly different. Yet equal in value. And, and he gave them different function and purpose distinctly different yet the same in value but different in function and so god created male and female but what is so interesting about the order is that that god created man first male he created adam first and even though he created humanity man Male and female in the likeness of image of God. What, what God purposely did is he created man first. And then he gave man, Adam, he, he gave him a purpose, he gave him the commandment, he gave him authority. And in this relationship, we, we hear the first time God says something is not good. He created everything and after each and every day he says this is good, this is good. And when he created man, he said, this is very good. And and then he created Adam first. And then he declared to Adam, it is not good that you are alone. So what I'm going to do is, I'm going to take out of you. And I'm going to create something comparable to you, like you. And the purpose of taking out of you is so that the two of you can become one before me. That is the purpose of God's creation of man. I'm going to take out of the one, make them two. Make them two so that they can become one again before me. It is called marriage. It it is part of the wisdom and purpose of God in this world that we live. It is a mystery. But it is divine purpose, wisdom, and divine blessing. Christian marriage is a covenant before God between a man and a woman to become one before Him. An oath is made at that ceremony. We read the vows, the terms, and then marriage is consummated through the acts of sex. And through sex, the two become one before God. It is a mystery, but it is purpose in its design through the wisdom of God. It is the covenant of marriage, becoming one flesh before God. That is why sex is unlawful outside of marriage, because it is the consummation of the covenant before God. It is a sacred sign and the consummation of this covenant. That's why in Jewish time, it was the virgin that married the man, and in the marriage ceremony, there was a tent erected, just outside of sound. Somewhere visible, a tent was erected, and after the vows were made, on the same day, the husband and wife, after the oath was made, the commitment was declared before God, they would go into the tent, and they would consummate the marriage. And then when they got out of the tent, it was the privilege of the the, the wife's parents to go in and bring out the bedsheet, Because when virginity is broken, blood flows, and then they would hold up the sheet, with the blood as a sign of two things. One, the wife was a virgin. Two, the covenant is consummated. It's consummated. The two is one. And so the mystery and the significance and the sacredness of sex is preserved for marriage because in the consummation of the covenant... The sign is clear. The covenant is made. Sex. And it's so interesting that it is through sex that covenant is consummated. Therefore, God says sex outside of marriage is unlawful because it's reserved for covenant. Even in the law today, it's very interesting when I did my exam to become a marriage officer. Even in the law today, if I marry someone and no sex takes place after the ceremony, even if it's three weeks or three months, if no sex have taken place after the wedding, any one of the two spouses can legally nullify the wedding, the marriage. Because the consummation has not taken place. Even in the secular law today. If the oath is not consummated through sex, the union does not stand. And so God says, sex is sacred within the marriage because it consummates the covenant. Sex in marriage is a reminder of that unity. And are purposed to cause pleasure to both and reunite spiritually, emotionally, and physically. And so praise God, sex is not just for the wedding night. It continues as a reminder and a pleasure to both parties. The aim is not self, but the pleasure of the other. And when both enjoy sex, it is most fulfilling. And so too in marriage. Marriage in itself. The purpose is not self, but the other. And when both enjoy marriage, then the fulfillment is greatest. Marriage is purpose to reflect God's love, grace, and forgiveness, and care for one another. Marriage is meant to reflect our creator's love, and care, and forgiveness, and grace towards each other. And and so we forgive and love and care for one another the way we are forgiven cared and loved but the greatest mystery and reflection of marriage is the union between christ and the church it is part of the design and purpose of god through the creation to reflect him As we are created in the image and likeness of God to reflect God in creation, so to marriage is purpose to reflect something greater than our love for each other, but actually God's love for us. Marriage is not just a contract, but it is an eternal relationship. Marriage is a relationship not only between a man and a wife, but also between us and Christ. A Christian marriage is different to a secular marriage in that in a secular marriage, there's only two parties involved. But in a Christian marriage, there are three parties involved. It's man, wife, husband and wife, and the Lord Jesus Christ, God himself. It's a a mystery and a powerful union that takes place on that day. It is not just a love relationship between me and my wife. It is firstly a love relationship between me and God. And because I love God, I do not go to the magistrate. I do not go to a civil court. I do not go to an earthly judge, but I go to a representative of God. In the presence of God, I go to a pastor, a priest, a duemone, and I, and I stand before God in His presence, because of my love for God and uh, my understanding of His will, I'm united to this woman in love for you and for her. It makes Christian marriage sacred. My wife is God's daughter. My wife is... Is God's blessing in my life. God is blessing me. With this woman. And I'm so grateful for this blessing. And God is entrusting her into my care. Because she. Is his daughter. I'm his son. and And he says my son I want to bless you. It's not good for you to be alone. I want to bless you with this woman. She is my daughter. I've given my life for her. And I'm entrusting you. To you. But I'm also blessing you with her. God is saying. I want you. To love her. The way I love you. The way I love the church. That. Is God's command for us as husbands. Ephesians 5, we know it so well, puts it so powerfully. But I want to start at verse 15. That puts it into context. It says, Look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but wise. Making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish... But understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, and And do not be filled, but, but be filled with the Spirit. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting to one another. Out of reverence for Christ. And so even here when, when the word explains the mystery of Christ and the mystery of marriage, he puts it in the context of a greater relationship. The context is that we need to understand what the will of the Lord is. And that we must give thanks to God always for everything with a thankful heart, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ understanding the will of God, being thankful, and in reverence of Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands as unto Christ. For the husband is the head of the wife as also Christ is the head of the church. Putting it in the context of the mystery that marriage is meant to be a reflection of something far greater. He is the Saviour of the body. Therefore, just as the church submits to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he may sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. And here comes the mystery. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason. You see, in, in God's purpose, in, in this covenant that we made with Him, we are born again and we are now in Christ. We, we've literally, we've literally put on Christ. And in a mysterious way through this, this, this new creation, we are now in Christ, one with Christ. We are now flesh of His flesh, bone of His bone. It is a spiritual reality at the born again experience. And God says, therefore, it is a reflection. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, Let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. You see, marriage is a reflection of something far greater than a love between a man and a woman. It is a reflection of Christ and the church becoming one flesh, two becoming one, but also a reflection of becoming one with Christ members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bone. That is why marriage is sacred. That is why marriage is sacred. Not to be taken lightly. Not to be entered into lightly. And when entered into, revered, protected, and deemed holy and sacred. It is a mystery of the two becoming one flesh. It is something that God does through a covenant at consummation. It is a great mystery, but it's something that God does. From the beginning of time, God's purpose. Therefore, Jesus said in Matthew 19 from verse 5, he said, For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. They are no longer two. They are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. Who joined them together? God did. It's a mystery. But at the consummation of marriage, of the covenant, the two becomes one before God. And it is God that makes them one. Not the oath, but God. Therefore, marriage is entered in through a covenant. It's not a contract. This is something sacred, something holy, as a reflection of our covenant with Christ. So, marriage is sacred, holy, and blessed. And also part of this mystery of becoming one through the consummation of the covenant through sex. Therefore, sex is also sacred, holy, and blessed. It is a blessed thing in the context of covenant. And I want you to chew on this for a moment before you swallow. Romans 1 verse 6 speaks about this it says now the body is not for sexual immorality but for the lord and the lord for the body and god both raised up the lord and will also raise us up by his power do you not know that your bodies are members of christ then shall i take a member of what is christ And make them a member of an harlot? Certainly not. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her? For the two, he says, shall become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Flee. Sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body. But he who commits sexual immorality. Sin against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you. Whom you have from God. And you are not your own. You have been bought at the price. Therefore glorify God in your body, and in your spirit, which are God's. You see, marriage and sex is part of God's blessing to man, and in its proper place and context of a covenant with God and each other, it is to be enjoyed and blessed. But not outside of it. Not outside of marriage. With Christian marriage according to God's will and purpose for marriage, it comes with God's blessing. Marriage and sex is a blessing. Which includes marriage is the greatest consummation and reflection of God's love for us. And with marriage comes a man's blessing. Within marriage, according to God's will and understanding, and if we follow that way, It leads to love, care, forgiveness, grace, acceptance, companionship, and so many other things for life. I have love. I have acceptance. I have forgiveness. I have grace. I have companionship with this daughter of God, this blessing in my life for life. It's part of God's blessing to me. These blessings of love and grace and forgiveness and companionship does not come from myself. But it overflows from my relationship with God. The most important relationship in marriage is my relationship with God. It is the most important relationship that I have because out of this relationship with God flows Love, compassion, mercy, and grace, forgiveness, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. All these things is is what flows from God towards me. God has compassion on me. God has love for me. God has forgiveness towards me. He has grace and mercy and patience towards me. And I'm filled with God's love, forgiveness, and grace. And as I'm filled with it, I am changed by it. And as I'm changed by it, I I reflect that back to my wife. And as I grow in in receiving God's love, forgiveness, and grace, I grow in giving love, forgiveness, and grace. And as I give love, forgiveness, and grace, I become a reflection of who God is. Through the way I love another. Out of this relationship, I learn and I receive This overflows towards my wife and and God changes me more more than my wife. Because it's not about her as much as it is about my relationship with him. And then she becomes the focus as I am the focus of his love. I receive grace and forgiveness and then I, I give towards my spouse as I have abundantly received. My relationship with my spouse becomes a reflection of my relationship with God. And you know the most powerful thing is I am imperfect before God. I am the imperfect one in relationship with the perfect. I'm the imperfect one. And, and the one who stands, the one who extends an invitation of a covenant, a lifelong relationship, is the perfect one. He has no need. <laughs> he has no needs. He has no wants. He's absolutely full and perfect in each and every way. And he stretches out in grace and love towards me. He says, I want to be in a lifelong covenant with you. So that I can fill you with myself in your lack. I am the imperfect one. I'm the one that, that needs grace and forgiveness continually. And so then, then as I'm in, as an imperfect person, in covenant with another imperfect person, I, I can only but give what I've received from the perfect. And by his grace, through his love and and care for me, I, I am changed by his spirit living in me enables me to to, to reproduce to, to just what i 've received so it 's not about whether my wife and she 's very close to perfection. it makes it difficult at times but Whether she's perfect or not, I am loved, even though I am imperfect. And, and so it, is, it becomes easier to love my wife. It doesn't become more difficult. It becomes easier. But it's not because of me. I'm the imperfect one. I'm the one who receives grace and forgiveness and love. And, and so I, I do the same towards my wife. He's, he lives in me and through the Holy Spirit, he helps me to change from the inside out. To love my spouse the way he loves me. So in conclusion, if two people, if two people love God more than they love themselves, come together to become one before God, if they love God more than they love themselves, their marriage will never fail. It will never fail. It's the beauty of God's will and his blessing. If you love me more than you love yourself, your marriage will never fail. It will grow to become better and stronger and more endearing. And it will last forever. It's part of God's blessing. And their marriage will become worship unto God. Worship, because that's what God says. I, I, your greatest worship to me is not just to love me, but to love one another the way I love you. If you do that, that is worship to me. And so, marriage becomes a an altar of worship to God that honors Him most. So whether you are single or married. Let us take this morning to commit ourselves again. Just to make a fresh commitment. To, Like we sang earlier, to trust God completely. To listen intently to Him. And to trust the intentions of His heart. And say, God, I am going to love the way you love me, despite the other. The way you love me, despite myself. I'm going to trust you to love at the cost of myself as worship unto you. And see how God will bless you for doing so amen let's pray together father i thank you for your love i thank you for your mercy and your grace i thank you for the privilege to stand in a covenant with you and the opportunity to reflect that covenant in marriage lord i pray for those who are single that they will wait They will wait for a godly man, a godly woman that loves you equally. And that they will honor you through becoming one in a covenant with you. Lord, for those who are married, Lord, I pray that you will will bless us with more of you. God, more of your grace, your forgiveness. God, open our eyes to see how imperfect we are in relation to you. The gap of my imperfection towards you is, is immeasurable. And yet you continue to love. Lord, help me to, to love my wife that is so much more perfect than I am. Lord, help us to love one another despite our imperfection. Because in relation to ourselves, the imperfection and the difference is not so great. In comparison to the way you love us. Lord, I pray that you will, you will change us. Help us to see each other as your blessing. And an opportunity to worship you. And may you change us so that our lives will bring you glory. And so I ask a blessing on every marriage here today. I pray for hearts to turn towards you, to turn towards you, to embrace your love, forgiveness and grace, and allow it to, to fill us, to permeate us, to change us, to love in the same way. Help us, God, I pray. Thank you for your grace while all the eyes are closed, maybe you're here today and you're only aware of your imperfection. And you've never responded to this invitation by a perfect God who says, I love you. I love you despite everything. I saw you when you gave your first breath. I loved you. I gave you that breath. And I want to be in a relationship with you forever. Forever. And I have given my son so that you can have a covenant with me. If you've never embraced that opportunity, I want to give you an opportunity right now to say, God, Yes, I want to be in relationship with you. I want to be in a covenant with you. I want to be one with you. If that is you, I want to give you an opportunity to respond by all the eyes are closed, by just raising your hand. Say, God, yes, I want to give my life to you. I want to follow you. If that is you, just raise your hand. Thank you for those hands. And can raise it and drop it again. Is there anyone else? Lord, I thank you for those who have raised their hands today. In a new and living way. Seeing and hearing by your spirit, your invitation for covenant. By saying yes today, I pray Holy Spirit that you will come and seal it. Lord, that you will come and consummate it by your spirit. Lord, thank you that you make them new. But you make them one with you. I pray, Lord, that from this day, they will never forget to whom they belong and follow you. Until you come again. That great day. The marriage feast of the lamb when this becomes eternal in jesus name amen thank you so much for coming may god bless you your blessings are waiting for you at the door